0: I'd like for you to take God's word and go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And I've been looking with you into the scripture and we've been examining this subject of corporate worship. And the word corporate uh, does not need to be confused with the corporate world or how that uh, word is often used. The word corporate simply means our worship together as an assembly. And so, we are to worship God. God created us to worship Him. And we're to worship Him individually. We are to worship Him corporately. And when we come together to worship the Lord, and we have designated times that we do that, for example, this morning, we're here, 1045, and then this evening, at 6 o'clock, and then again on Wednesday evening at 7. Those are times that we as a church have set aside uh, to come together, and we come together to worship the Lord. But that is not the limit of our worship. Uh, Those are just the uh, corporate meetings. And when we come together, uh, we do certain things. And we might need to from time to time, examine what it is that we're doing and understand why it is that we're doing it. And that will help us to refine what we're doing, to make sure that it is pleasing to the Lord, and to define what it is that we do so that we don't get off course. Uh, We live in an age where Uh, people are tinkering with the church as if it's some experiment. And whatever thought comes down the pike, whatever new idea that someone has seems to become the uh, dominant theme that many churches decide to take up in an effort to uh, expand their reach, in an effort to grow their congregation, in an effort to excite and motivate people. But we need to be careful where we're getting our ideas from. We need to ensure that our ideas are not coming from men, but they're coming from God. Now let me tell you, men have ideas, That God gives them, but we need to examine those ideas in light of the scripture to make sure that what we're doing is consistent with what God has given us to do. You see, Israel got in trouble when Israel decided that they were going to worship God the way they wanted to worship God, and they got away from what God prescribed to them. And so I think it's very important that we as a church understand what it means to worship God, and how it is that we worship Him together in our assembly. And as we've looked at this passage, we've looked at John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26, and we see the Lord Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and He spoke to her about the fact that there is true worship, and there is also false worship. There is worship that is in truth and there is worship that is based in error. And we want to ensure that what we're doing, we're doing in truth. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We've looked at five things uh, that are essential elements of our corporate worship. Number one, assembling. And all of these words are in action verbs. Because all of you have a role in the corporate worship of the church. This is is not uh, an entertainment center. This is not a a club that you come to. Uh, This is not a a theater that you come to 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 be entertained or to hear a a, a word of encouragement that will get you through the week. This is a place where we come as the people of God to worship God. And so if we're going to worship God, that means that all of God's people are active in that worship. And as we've looked at these things, we've we've identified five thus far. I just want to give them to you quickly. Number one, assembling. Assembling together. Uh, The church itself is a called out assembly. The word ekklesia means a called out assembly. And so for us to even be considered a church it means that we assemble together the bible tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is and so we examine the fact that we are to assemble number two praying jesus said my house shall be called the house of prayer and so when we come together as god's people We come to God in prayer seeking His blessing upon our meeting. Seeking His strength and His power as we worship Him and as we proclaim His message. A third thing is singing. Singing. And we sing together as a congregation. Uh, We do not put a premium on entertainment. I appreciate the Blanton family singing, don't you? That was a help and a blessing. I appreciate our choir And they're singing but we don't come just to hear other people perform for us we come to worship God in spirit and in truth and the Bible teaches us that the people of God have a song in their hearts and I want to tell you the apex of the music service at the Tabernacle Baptist Church the height of it the crown of it is when this congregation stands together and lifts up our voices as one to God in praise. And that's why I encourage you, take that hymn book, put it in your hands, read and reflect upon what the songwriter has written. I want to tell you, these hymns are tried and proven. They're tried and proven. And they've been a blessing to God's people in some cases for more than a 100 years. It's not to say that there can't be new songs that we sing, but it means that we have a book of hymns that help us, that prepare us to come into the presence of God, to lift our voice in praise to God, and prepare our hearts for the preaching of the Word of God. And so we're a singing church. Number four was giving. We are to give unto the Lord our tithes, and our offerings unto the Lord. And the motivation for that is not that we're commanded by the law, but we're constrained by the grace of God to bring our offering to the Lord. Number five, serving. We are to be the servants of God. A word that is used in our Bible for worship literally means serve. Serve. And here, as as God's people, we are to serve the Lord in the context of His assembly, and we have people who serve and are serving at this moment. There are men who are are, are on the grounds just as a security measure, and there are nursery workers, and uh, there are uh, folks who are meeting together in our Spanish-speaking ministry at this moment. There are people who serve in our music ministry, our orchestra. our our instrumentalists, our piano and organ, and they're giving themselves and their abilities that God has given them, they're giving those to the Lord. And let me say this to you, all of us are to be servants, each and every one of us who know the Lord, and there should be no unemployment among God's people in God's work. And so find your place of service. There are many, many ways you can do that throughout the week as well. You can encourage and visit people. You you can serve in the community. And let me say this to you. Our church needs to be a community-minded church because this is the place God has put us. And so we we want to help ministries like the Pregnancy Care Center. Uh, It's one thing to, to sigh and lament over the fact that the state of New York has voted this week with great pomp and circumstance and celebration to extend abortion up to the moment of birth. And that vote was celebrated in the New York State Legislature this week. The governor signed it. The enemies of God have been emboldened. But it's not enough for us to just harp about it and preach about it and talk about how bad it is. We as the servants of the Lord, need to be in our community encouraging people going through these real life crises to help them understand that we're we're not here just to fuss. We're not here to condemn. We're here to help. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So let's be the servants of the Lord. That is our worship to God. Then let me give you where we are today. Number six, preaching. Preaching. The preaching of the Word of God. I want you to look with me in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables Uh, many of you know that I've had the privilege of serving as the chaplain of the Hickory Crawdads baseball team and I've met a lot of wonderful young men uh, serving as the chaplain I met a young man when I first began from Minnesota, and he told me that he was a Christian and that he was excited about chapel. I remember one time after I spoke to the young men, I spoke to them on the subject of judgment from Noah, or from Genesis chapter 6, on the life of Noah. I remember this young man, well-meaning. I I believe he was well-meaning, but I, I believe he was seriously misguided. He took me aside to tell me that it really wasn't a good idea to bring a message to the ballplayers from the Old Testament. By the way, we now have prominent men who are known and who author books that sell on the aisles of the Christian bookstore who would say the same thing. It's not a good idea to preach from the Old Testament. And he said to me, he said, you know, really, let me give you some advice. He says, my pastor down in Florida, he was living in Florida at the time, he said, what he does from week to week is he just gets us all together and he talks about, you know, something that happened to him in the week and he relates it to our lives and it's really helpful. He said, I think you ought to try that. And I said, well, I really appreciate your advice Uh, so, but I said, but I think you missed something here. My job is not to talk about my life and relate stories to you that I think will give you a warm, fuzzy feeling or that'll make these baseball players say, you know, that guy's a pretty good guy. No, my job is to open the pages of God's Word and read to you what God said and help you understand what God said so that you can receive it and that you can live by it and obey it. That is the job of the preacher. And Paul is telling this young Timothy who is pastoring in Ephesus, a town that is not unlike ours. It's a different culture, but a lot of the same things. You know, I've found this. People are the same everywhere you go. They may have different faces and they may have different names, but they're really all the same people. And they have the same problems. And I believe that's true across cultures and across time. And Timothy is a discouraged young man. He's facing persecution. And he's dealing with a church that is really a, an infant church. Remember, there's no... There's no complete New Testament. There's no Sunday school programs. And he's dealing with a church that has been embroiled before their salvation in immorality, and that is the pervasive culture of the day. And it is the pervasive culture now in our nation, is it not? Immorality and wickedness on every hand. When you stand in front of those young men and, and you try to explain to them what the Bible is and you ask them to turn to different books of the Bible, they don't have any idea what you're talking about. And even though you're in the United States of America in Hickory, North Carolina, you feel like you're on a foreign mission field. You see, Timothy was laboring in that culture and so too are we today. And Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to do one thing primarily in the context of that church at Ephesus that he is pastoring and that we read in verse number 2 three words preach the word part a central part in fact I would uh, I would argue to you the central activity of the church today is the preaching and teaching of the word of God do you know the Bible is God's written word to us the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter one and verse number one, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past with the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom He hath made the worlds." The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, in John chapter number one, is called the Word. The Word of God, the Bible, is the expression of the Son of God. It is the thought of the Son of God as He communicates to people because He wants His mission is to reveal the truth of God to all people and that truth is recorded for us in written form and we have it in a book called the Bible today. And most of us have it sitting on our lap at the moment. Unfortunately, It sits on a shelf most of the week. But we have the Word of God. Now, how did we get it? Well, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Why don't you look, if you would, please, in chapter 3, verse 16. Just back up two verses if you're in verse 1 of chapter 4. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, how did we get the Bible? Well, the Bible tells us it is given by inspiration of God. The Holy Spirit of God inspired the human penman to write the words that God wanted written. And the Bible says not only did he inspire those words, but he preserved those words for us. Psalm 12, 6, and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words. Uh, Purified, he says, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I want to tell you the word of God is eternal. It is unchanging, and God has inspired it and delivered it to human beings, and he has preserved it, and we have it today. Now think about that, friend. God has spoken. And God has spoken to us. And we have a record of what he says. This Bible came to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And these words are words of life, and they are words of truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We have the truth of the word of God. Now, I want, I want to help you understand that the primary method God uses to, communi- to communicate His Word to people today, especially in the context of the assembly or the context of the church meeting, is through the preaching of the Word. It is through the preaching of the Word. This is not uh, something new to us, or it should not be something new to us. We understand that the Old Testament prophets, they raised their voice, they proclaimed what God had given them to the people. He used human instruments to preach, to communicate the word. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, what did he come doing? He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That was the primary task that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, that, he, that he carried out was that that he would proclaim the message of, of God in the gospel of the kingdom. And so we find this pattern of preaching is a biblical pattern. Now, I want us to go back to two references in the Old Testament. Find, if you would, please, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number eight. Nehemiah chapter number eight. And we're talking about our worship, and we're talking about the preaching of the word. And and let me me just tell you this. Some of you may say, all right, I'm not a preacher. I don't have to listen to this point. Wrong. Because the preacher has a responsibility, but so does the congregation. And I want to help this church understand why we have preaching. I want you to understand it. And I want you to understand your responsibility and your role in the preaching aspect of the corporate worship of the church. Now, we're in Nehemiah chapter number 8. And uh, I want you to look there with me, if you would, please. Verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street. So here's the assembly. They gathered together. Uh, before the water gate, the Bible says, look, look, if you would, as we continue reading in verse 1, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest, what did he do? He brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street, and that was before the water gate from the uh, morning until the midday. That's a long time. And the men and the women were there, he says, and those that could understand in the ears of all the people were, what's the next word? Attentive under the book of the law. So here we find the the, the preaching of the book of the law is taking place. And Ezra the scribe, he's the preacher. He's on a pulpit of wood, the Bible says. The people have gathered together. And Ezra is opening the Bible, He is reading the Bible, and the people are attentive to the Bible. I want you to look in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. That doesn't mean he, as an individual, was above the people, it means position. He was elevated. This does not speak of the elevation of the person of the pastor. This speaks of the elevation of the position of the preaching of the word, especially it speaks of the elevation of the word of God. It is putting it in a prominent position. And the people under the scripture, humbling themselves, coming to hear what God says. And so the Bible tells us, he opened the book. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, then I want you to look in verse 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So here's what's taking place uh, the people have assembled together. Ezra comes before the people and he comes before them with the book of the law, the Bible, the word of God. And he opens the book and he reads the book and the people in reverence stand and as he's reading the book, he is commenting, he is explaining, he is giving the sense so that the people understand. And as they hear the book, as it is proclaimed, as it is preached in power. The people are listening. The Bible said they were attentive. That takes effort. They were attentive. And the Bible says that they commented back to the preacher. They said, amen. Amen. That means that's true. That's true. I want to tell you that this Preaching is not just the responsibility of the pastor, it is the responsibility of the entire congregation to come together and worship God together in the preaching of His Word. Because when we preach the Bible, God is speaking to us, not the pastor. The pastor is just the instrument. When you turn on your radio, if you still have one of those at home, the radio isn't speaking to you. There's somebody back there somewhere in the studio speaking. The radio just simply carries the signal. I want you to know all I am is just a vessel, I'm just a messenger. And if I'm just delivering my message, then we're all in trouble. But if God gets in it and the Holy Spirit begins to work and you begin to listen and you begin to see that God is speaking to you, then I want to tell you something wonderful happens. We don't just hear a good sermon, get two or three points to get us through the week and say that was a nice story or it made us feel good. No, what we get is we get God himself speaking to us. And when God speaks to us, Everything changes. We don't need to hear from a preacher. We need to hear from God. But God uses the preaching of his word to speak to his people. This is ordained of the Lord. Now I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31 because when... Ezra and the people gather together. They are doing this to obey what they were told to do in the law. And so in Deuteronomy chapter number 31, we see here in verse number 9, the Bible said, Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark, of the covenant of the Lord unto all the elders of Israel. So Moses recorded the law. He's the human penman. God gave it to him. He recorded it. Now, why did God give them the law? Because he wanted to make them miserable. (laughs) He wanted to give them a set of of laws and rituals, the do's and don'ts, so they couldn't have any fun, right? No. He gave them the law so that they could live in the land so that they could enjoy the blessings of God. Do you know why we have the Bible? We have the Bible to reveal to us who God is. The Bible reveals to us who we are. We're sinners. The Bible reveals our destiny without God is hell. The Bible reveals to us that God sent his son to die on the cross for us to save us from our sin because he loves us so. And the Bible reveals to us that if we will Humble ourselves and repent of our sin and come before the Lord Jesus and seek Him as our Savior, asking Him to save us. The Bible tells us that once we do that, we know God and we have eternal life. I'm glad we had the Bible. But the Bible also tells me as a Christian how I am to live my life, to please God, to fulfill the purpose and plan that He has for me, how that I can enjoy His blessings, how that I can know Him in a greater way. You see, that's what the book is for. And Moses is bringing the book, and he wants the next generation to understand what God has said. And so in verse number 10, the Bible says, He commands them, saying, At the end of every seven years in the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing." In other words, there's going to be assemblies of the whole nation. Now, there will be assemblies of the people in their communities, in their villages each week. But he's speaking here of a national assembly. Now, he says this, verse 12, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. Notice what he says, that they may, what's the first word? God wants you to, say it with me, this is the purpose of preaching that you may hear what God is saying now you may be here this morning and you may be hearing my voice but you're not hearing what God is saying to you maybe your mind is filled with distractions maybe your mind is preoccupied with what you're going to do or what you have to get done Uh, maybe, maybe you're just wondering in your mind but I want to tell you that God wants to speak to you and he wants you to hear. And the purpose of preaching is so that God's people may hear. Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Notice what he says next, that they may hear and that they may, what's the next word please? Learn. Learn. Do you know what? Not only does God want you to hear, but God wants you to learn. He wants you to learn what he has revealed in his word. And I want to tell you that every time we have a meeting at Tabernacle Baptist Church, anyone who comes to this pulpit is going to come to this pulpit with the thought and the burden of his heart to communicate the truth of God's Word to help you as a believer or to bring you to Jesus as an unbeliever. And and the point of that is, is that you might learn that you might build your life upon that truth that God can fulfill His purpose and plan in your life. Every time we meet, there's an opportunity for God to speak to you. Every time we meet, there's an opportunity for you to learn something that's going to help you. I have to be honest with you. I said in that meeting Friday with the men's meeting, and I listened to the preaching of the Word of God. I listened to the truths that Brother Paulie brought out, and I thought I wish more of our men were here. Now I understand everybody can't be there and I'm not here to fuss. I understand there's sickness and I understand there's responsibilities but I want to tell you friend had you been there you would have been helped. And as as the pastor of this church familiar with the needs of certain people I'm thinking to myself they could have really been helped had they been here. But I want you to know I didn't just think that Friday night and I didn't just think that Saturday. I think at every service. You see, when the word of God is proclaimed and God speaks, God wants to help you. And some of the help that people so desperately need, they're not committed enough to be here enough to get it. It's here. It's here. But you have to be here. And you have to hear. And you have to learn. Let me say this as we go forward in this passage. He says that they may hear, that they may learn, and what's the next word? Fear the Lord your God. That means to reverence him, to acknowledge him, to put him in the position that he rightfully deserves in your life. Do you know there are times in life where we just sort of get off kilter? It becomes all about us. There there are times in our lives when all we think about is what we want and we forget about what God wants. We we need to be reminded of who it is that we serve and who it is that is sovereign in our lives and we need to come back to that place of reverence and worship before God where we acknowledge who He is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to thine thine own understanding. Yeah, you say it three times real quick. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways what? Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We go about our lives, our daily business. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Let's do it. How often do we pause and acknowledge him? God said we're not to lean on our own understanding. We are to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will direct our paths. And so we, we, we have the preaching ministry of the Word that we may hear, that we may learn, that we may fear. Notice this. As we fear, as we understand that it is God who is in charge, that He is sovereign, notice what happens. Notice verse 12. And what's the next word? Observe to do. Oh, I've been to church all my life. I'm thankful for that. I've heard a lot of messages. I've heard a lot of people leave and say this. Boy, that's good preaching. That really helped me. I'm telling you, with no intention of ever following through with what was communicated. He says, I want them to hear. I want them to learn. I want them to fear. And I want them to do. And the way that I'm choosing to communicate this message to them that I might transform their lives is through the preaching process of the word let me mention just a couple of things to you about preaching preaching brings the hearer to salvation the Bible says back in in our text in in 2nd Timothy uh, chapter number 3 the Bible tells us uh, let me turn there if I if I may 2nd Timothy chapter number 3 the Bible tells us in verse number 15 and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells me that is through the knowledge of the scriptures that I am made wise unto salvation. The only way I would know how to be saved and come to God and have my sin forgiven, the only way I would know how that happens is through the revelation of of the scripture and so the bible tells us that god hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those who are lost it is god's primary method to bring salvation to the lost let me read this to you romans chapter 10 and verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him on him in whom they have not believed in other words you can't call unless you believed. That makes sense, doesn't it? And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Well, you can't believe if you haven't heard, and if you can't believe, you can't call. So you have to hear. And the Bible goes on to explain to me, how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, it is the responsibility of the preacher to deliver the message that God has given to deliver the message that God wants to communicate to the people so that they might hear, so that they might believe, and so that they might call on the name of the Lord. It is through preaching that the Lord brings the lost to salvation. Now, that doesn't mean you have to hear it from me in a pulpit. That means they can hear it from you on the job or in the neighborhood. The foolishness of preaching. Bible preaching transforms the believer. Paul said in in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means it's good for you. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect there means complete. It means mature. He goes on to explain that, truly furnished unto all good works. In other words, Everything you need as a man, as a wife, as a husband, as a a father, as a mother, everything that God wants you to become, God will furnish you to do it in His Word. And therefore, we get into the Word of God. And what Paul is saying to Timothy here, you're dealing with a carnal congregation in Ephesus. You're dealing with people uh, who are carried away with all sorts of temptation and, and are beginning to crumble under persecution here's what you must do timothy you must preach the word it will transform their life so bible preaching brings the listener to salvation it transforms uh, the believer Uh, it also edifies the believer it builds him up and it, it it edifies the entire body of christ this is what preaching does And we need preaching. It's not the time to tune out. It's the time to tune in. And I want to give you some help so I don't have time to do it today. I want to give you some practical things that I believe if you'll practice them, if you'll make an effort, God will enable you to be a better hearer and hopefully a better doer of the Word of God. You see, part of our worship, the primary part of it is the preaching of the Word. It is what we need. And we don't need less of it. We need more of it in this hour. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.